Jasmine and Beauty Podcast starts right now. Jake and Dan with you until midnight. It's the Asmund and Budic Show. So much to get to. A lot going on in the world of sports. We have NFL football on the air, Sunday Night Football, New England and Seattle going on as we do this broadcast. And, of course, the Jets, they lost today. What else is new? We'll get to them in just a bit. And then, of course, the Giants, they have a big Monday Night Football game against the Cincinnati Bengals tomorrow. So we'll preview the Giants game a little bit later on in this hour. But, Dan, my friend, how are you? A, f- a fine weekend here on the campus of Ithaca. It was, of course, Cortica. wasn't the result the Ithaca Bombers wanted, but for those who stuck around and, and took part in the festivities, we were told it, it was uh, a blast, as you would expect. Oh, absolutely. Cortica is a great event. And to be at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, at SUNY Cortland yesterday for the game, I know that was our first time there. Uh, covering the game at Cortland and their beautiful complex they have. So that was a lot of fun. But as far as today's concerned, and we'll talk about it, the Jets, I mean, just a very, you know, boring, vanilla offensive attack they put forward going against, uh, going out there today against the Rams, a mediocre team. And uh, we did finally get to see Bryce Petty. So Jets fans, Bryce Petty did appear in this game. He was the quarterback, but just, again, you know, nothing to hang your hat on going into next week. And Bryce Petty today, 19-32, 163 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was pretty good, I thought, in the first half. He showed me some things in that first half. He led, of course, that 99-yard touchdown drive, and it was almost too good to be true with that play calling by Chan Gailey. The hook and ladder actually worked for a Jets touchdown in that first half. And then we saw Bryce Petty in the second half, and he just could not get anything going. I think the Jets punted on seven of their nine last possessions. I mean, this was an offense that was just out of sync all day. But at the end of the day, I'll give credit to this Jets organization. Whether or not they want to acknowledge the fact that they only played Bryce Petty because Ryan Fitzpatrick was hurt, I really believe that they used that as an excuse. They said, you know what, if Fitz is not 100% healthy, we have reason not to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. We can go to Bryce Petty and see what he does in this type of scenario before the bye. And now they're in a kind of difficult situation with what they're going to do at the quarterback spot. But I look at this game, and the Jets didn't win. It was horrible to watch. But at least you're trying to find out what you have in Bryce Petty, who we could break down what he did today in just a little bit. But from the standpoint of actually starting Petty, the Jets did the right thing in that department for sure. Well, and I agree with you to a certain degree. I think it was time to start Bryce Petty. But then I look at the game plan offensively. Petty finished 19 of 32, 163 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. But it really seemed like, especially in the second half, the Jets offensively were, were playing not to lose, and I just felt that it, I just felt you know the offensive attack was not good for the Jets today. I, I even though they went to Bryce Petty, they clearly didn't trust him throwing the football downfield, and it really cost them in their game plan. They couldn't move the football, and you know third and ten running it for a pickup of two yards. You know what does that show your fans? What does that show uh, going forward uh, with Bryce Petty playing quarterback? So they, they, to me, yeah, they went to Bryce Petty because Fitz was hurt. But Bryce Petty didn't do anything crazy today. He ran a pretty vanilla offense, and they didn't do much going downfield. They had a couple of moments where the big pass to Robbie Anderson. I know he missed him on an open receiver down on the far right sideline. But, you know, I didn't see anything uh, from Bryce Petty today to say, wow, that's my quarterback next week. Bryce Petty today, I thought in that first half, he looked pretty accurate. He had a couple of really good moments. But then overall, you're right, the game planning, that was confusing. It almost felt like, well, right as we're praising Chan Gailey for that terrific call with the hook and ladder that led to a Jets touchdown, well, right after there, the play calling became way too conservative, and this Jets team struggled. And they were they were playing not to lose. And I think when you're going in a defense against battle, the Rams, that's the thing. It's like look who you're playing. And I understand Bryce Petty's the quarterback, and you've never seen him play before. But you know what? You scored six 
points. Throw the football. Stretch the football downfield. The Jets had some opportunities. There was some third down play calling that was just atrocious. The hook and ladder play, I liked it. Nice little wrinkle there from Chan Gailey in this offense. But overall, especially in the second half, I was very disappointed in the play call. I just didn't see um, anything to tell me that, first of all, it's Chan Gailey or, and Todd Bowles have any faith in Bryce Petty, at least this week, because he just didn't do anything for me enough to say that this is my guy going forward. And it also really didn't feel like the Jets offensively were looking to win the game. It was very disappointing. No, they didn't let him be the guy, which is disappointing because, you know what, you have nothing to lose at this point. And now with them officially being done, it's time to open up the playbook. Let's see what Bryce Petty could do. They tried to play not to lose today. You're absolutely right. And that killed them. Because at the end of the day, you're playing the L.A. Rams. You're going to need the score. You scored nine points. They scored, they scored nine points and you lost. Like you're, the Jets' defense played well today. They weren't the issue, and they've been the issue at certain points this year. Just lost 9-6, to six, and of course didn't help, and they missed a PAT. But down the stretch, Bryce Petty had two opportunities to get this team into field goal range and tie this up, and he couldn't get it done. So in the first half, he looked pretty good. In that second half, he struggled. Is it a combination of the play calling? I think so. But at this point, you're going to have to see him play again. Now that you're 3-7 and seven the season, it was already over. But now mathematically, let's be honest, the Jets at best could only win nine games, and they still got to play the Patriots two more times. They haven't even played them yet. They'll play them off their bye Two weeks from now. But this is the Jets team, Dan, that we knew going into this game, if they started Petty, we'd be happy. And if they started Fitz, we'd be upset. Even though Petty didn't play well, it was the right move to start Petty, but he needs more than just one start. You don't go back to Fitzpatrick now because he's healthy off the bye. At 3-7, and seven, the season's over. It's time to find out what you have in this kid. And through one game, he played one good half, he played a bad half. Which quarterback is he? I have no idea. We need to see a lot more from him. Well, in two weeks' time, when the Jets are back in action against the New England Patriots, who's the quarterback? Because there's no game next week. They're on the bye week. It has to be Bryce Petty. So it has to be Bryce Petty, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick is... Is good enough to go with his knee? I think so. And I think when you look at Bryce Petty today, when a quarterback drops back 32 times and they complete 19 of their passes and they only have 163 yards, what does that tell me? They're way too conservative. There were some times they could have thrown the ball downfield to a Brandon Marshall, to a Robbie Anderson, who made a terrific catch early on in this game. And he's actually been a lot better since he was embarrassing on that Monday night game against the Arizona Cardinals. He's actually played pretty well. But this is a Jets team that does have some playmakers. they got to get the football to them. they got to let Bryce Petty throw the ball downfield and try to be conservative with him. I get it. It's his first career start. But you're stunting his growth if you're not going to let him do what he wants to do. At Baylor, they ran a spread offense. He threw the ball all over the field. You're going to have to let him try and see if he could be this long-term future at the quarterback spot. I don't know if he is. Chances are he's probably not going to be the guy. But you have to at least find out. And now at 3-7, at and seven, there's no false hope of, wow, we might make the playoffs. It's time to find out what you have in Petty. And if he struggles again, then you don't go back to Fitzpatrick. Then you go to Christian Hackenberg and you really start to evaluate what you have on the roster at the quarterback position. I agree with you. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick time as Jets quarterback is over. I just think he's been so bad, and he's had so many issues this year with turning over the football, especially in the second half. He's a free agent at the end of the season. They have no ties to him after this year. they got to find out what Bryce Petty is, and possibly, you're right, Jake, what Christian Hackenberg is. And if I want to see Bryce Petty, though, I have to see him then in two weeks throw the football. I have to see him, uh, you know, actually, you know, running a, a, a more of a, uh, you know, I don't want to say a pro-style offense, but more of an offense where the Jets are stretching the fall down, ball down the field and they're picking up 15, 20 yards on a pass. And they're not dinking and dunking it to their tailbacks every five seconds. I mean, there were too many checkdowns today. It just, well, Bilal Powell led them in receptions. Well, just, that tells you all you need to know. I mean, at 89 yards, Powell, and I like Powell. 
But the thing is, is again, Brandon Marshall. You know, he's a playmaker. You know, you got to get him involved. Four catches today, only 15 yards he's for Brandon Marshall. Be the folk, if the Jets are going to win, he's got to be a big part of their offense, especially when they get down in the red zone. You know, obviously, they didn't have that many trips today. They only scored six points. They had the missed PAT. I just was very disappointed. Not the fact that uh, Petty played, because I was excited to see Petty, like I know we've talked about on the show, but I need to see more from Petty, because I think as a Jets fan base, we want to know, and the Jets coaches need to know, if this guy is the quarterback going forward. And at least from today, you can't make that uh, assumption. You can't make that Which is why explanation. you got to keep seeing him. You're right, and when, that's why I'm happy he played today, because he wasn't expected to play today. We thought it was going to be Fitz again, and then we're thinking to ourselves, well, if they win and they beat the Rams, then we're going to get Fitz after the bye against New England, and we're just delaying the inevitable that this season is going to come to an end. It already was done at one and five. Let's be honest here, folks. When the Jets won, went on that you know two game winning streak and they got the three and five, and we're thinking, oh well, here they come. Maybe they can get the five and five at the bye. It was all false hope. We all acknowledged it was false hope. Now at three and seven, we know the season's over. It's time to find out what you have at the quarterback spot. And what I saw from Bryce Petty today is obviously not enough to say that he's going to be the long term guy. But I, I will say this: the Rams do have a pretty good defense. So let's see what Bryce Petty could do maybe in his second start, in his third start, with a full week of practice. He didn't get the full week of practice this past week with the ones. Him and Fitzpatrick split the time. We got to see him get adequated into this offset, in, into this offense. That's a good point. And if you're the Jets, he's earned the right to at least get another start. I think. I know he didn't play great today, but he only had that one turnover at the end. He did show you some things in that first half, which you could you can hold your head on and hold your hat high on. This is a team that has a lot of different holes on its roster. Certainly quarterback's one of them, but you got to at least give the kid another start and find out if he could maybe be the guy that you can count on going into the next year. And switching from the quarterback position, we know the struggles the Jets have had at quarterback, but you mentioned the holes on this team. And I just want to go back to August when we were sitting around talking about this season and we had such high hopes that the Jets would be a playoff team and build on what they did a year ago. The defense. You know, I know today they only gave up nine points, but especially Darrell Revis. I mean, it really in the first half, again, you know, the combination of Case Keenum and Kenny Britt is, was giving Darrell Revis fits in that first half. Darrell it, Revis was horrible today. I mean, it's just, again, what is Darrell Revis at this point in his career? Seems like at least over the last couple weeks and for the majority, you know what, an average cornerback. I mean, today, uh, you know, I understand fast receivers and you talk about some of the quicker receivers in the league, but you have a, co- a mediocre quarterback in case. Let's not, and you know what, here's the thing. We made a lot of excuses for Revis, and I thought that some of the criticism he was facing at the beginning of the year wasn't fair. I agree with you. But we've seen this team now play 10 football games this year, and Darrell Revis has maybe played well in three of them. And this is a guy that is being paid $17 million this year. That's his cap hit. So he deserves a lot of criticism. Kenny Britt is not Megatron. Kenny Britt going for seven receptions and 109 yards against Darrell Revis, that's not good enough. And I think we've seen enough from Revis to say that obviously he's no longer the guy that you can count on to shut down an opponent's number one wide receiver. But at this point in his career, I think Darrell Revis might be an average quarter. It might be time to move him to safety where you don't need as much speed. You don't need to necessarily be that lockdown one-on-one defender. And Revis is still a really smart football player. I think he would play the safety position well. We saw Ty Law do it at the end of his career. And Revis is very close with Ty Law. They're family friends. 
that could be something that we could see going forward. Maybe in the offseason, they move Darrell Revis to safety. Because right now, a cornerback, you're paying this guy all this money. He's not good enough. He's not worth the money you're paying him. You might as well try and see if you could revitalize his career in a different position in the and, secondary. And I think the Jets cornerbacks as a whole, very disappointing here. In I thought Buster Screen did play well today, though. I, well, I thought he was one bright ha- spot. But there have been times this year where he's played pretty poorly. Yeah, they've been, they've been bad all around this year. The whole team has been bad at certain aspects. Even perfect example is Jalen Marshall on special teams. How many times do we have to watch this kid fumble the football for them to get him out of there? They benched him for a punt, and then they put him back out there. You mean to tell me the Jets have no one else on this roster that could return a punt? I mean, that's just bad coaching by Todd Bowles. It shows you have no accountability that you're going to keep putting a guy back out there that can't control his own emotions, can't hold on to the football. I agree with you. I think this team this year has been a huge disappointment. And again, we talked about the expectations of this Jets team, and it starts with the quarterback position, obviously. But the between the injuries on offense, Eric Decker, that's a huge loss. We talked about it when he went down. And defensively, just missed tackles, missed plays. And again, really starts with Darrell Revis. We are not seeing even close to the Darrell Revis we saw even last season in his first year back with the Jets after his two-year hiatus. Uh, with uh, Tampa Bay and the Patriots, Darrell Revis is just looking like game after game as we pers- as we get through this season and we go to the bye week, he's getting worse. And it's really, you know, you said he's only played well in three games. It's, that's accurate. He's just been really bad. And this Jets defense has been very, very underwhelming all season long. It wasn't. It, of course, it wasn't even the defense today as to why no, they lost. No, you're right. It wasn't. But I just feel like you look at the team at this point at 3-7, and seven, and there's so many. Every game, they're losing because of something. It, else. It's not It's not just one thing with this team. Ultimately, the only thing you could re- that you could really fix is the quarterback spot because that's something that no matter who you have in there, unless you have a true franchise quarterback, even if you want to be you know, a playoff team, chances are you can't do it without a true franchise quarterback in there. That's just the way the sport has evolved. Forget about winning a Super Bowl without a true franchise quarterback. That never happens anymore. Outside of, I guess, the 2000 Ravens and what Peyton Manning did last year with that dominant Denver defense, you just don't see it unless you have a true guy in that position that can lead you going forward. And the Jets don't have it right now. They have a lot of holes on the roster, but at the end of the day, nothing else matters unless they find that quarterback position, that quarterback that can lead them for the next 10 to 15 years. I don't know if it's Bryce Petty. It probably isn't, but you got to find out, which is why he needs to start again and again and again, and if he doesn't play well, you don't go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. You go to a guy named Christian Hackenberg that they took in the second round. So that should tell you what they think of Bryce Petty coming into the year, that they were willing to use a second-round pick on another young quarterback in Christian Hackenberg. So there's a lot to discuss with this Jets team, and we want you to get involved on the phone, 607 274-1842. It's the Asman and Budic Show on VICradio.org, TuneIn Radio, and of course, we podcast all the shows on ICTV.org and iTunes. When we come back, we'll take your Jets calls, and we'll also get into the Giants. Monday Night Football, they're taking on the Bengals tomorrow night. We'll break it all down for you right after this, right here on VIC Radio. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit gusbuster.com and get your Gusbuster today. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Show on VIC Radio. Tune in radio and podcast it on ICTV.org and iTunes. 607-274-1842, the number to call. Let's get to the Giants now, though, Dan. They have a big game tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. kickoff against the Cincinnati Bengals. Giants trying to 
keep their their record at what it is right now at five and three. Try to get to six and three. This is a Giants football team that, as we know, kind of an up and down start. They started two and zero. They lost three in a row. And then since then, they've been able to rattle off a couple wins in a row. And, and you look at what this team has been able to do. Well, they've been doing it this year without that injury from Victor Cruz until now. Victor Cruz will not play tomorrow night. He'll be out with the ankle injury. And I think when you look at this game from a Giants standpoint, it's important if you want to keep pace with some of these other teams in the NFC. And if you're still thinking about the division, Dallas won again today in improbable fashion over the Steelers. So... They're going to have to keep pace. Giants going to have to win themselves tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. If you're a Giant fan still thinking about the division, which I think at this point you should be more focused on trying to win one of the wild cards. I agree. I think the division, just with how well Dallas has played, their only loss being to the Giants week one. They've rattled off eight straight wins. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are, are brewing something special. They're, good, they're a good football team, so I think it's going to be tough for the Giants to catch them just looking at the remaining schedule and how far the Giants are behind them at this point. But you're right. The Giants, and we've spoken about this a couple of times uh, over the sh- on the show the last couple of weeks, Giants are a playoff team. You know, their defense has improved. I know they still give up almost 400 yards per- a game, but their defense has vastly improved as far as situationally than it was a year ago, two years ago, even three years ago. So I, I agree with you there. Dallas, they're probably not going to be able to catch the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys are just eight straight wins. It's tough to keep up with that. And the Giants, in their own right, are 5-3, and three, but you know, still a long ways to go if they want to catch Dallas. And it's funny. The, the Giants are the only team in the league that beat Dallas. They beat them week one on the road in Big D. So you look at this Dallas Cowboys team, they continue to win. But what are the Giants? You know, Their win over the Dallas Cowboys looks a lot more impressive than maybe we thought it was. But now with the way that Green Bay and Minnesota have played, those two losses against those teams don't look like very good losses at all. Those are games that maybe, looking back on it, the Giants should have been able to take at least one of those football games. So what is this Giants team? Are they the team that started 2-0, and then lost three in a row? Or are they a team that has now won three in a row, trying to make it four in a row tomorrow night against the Cincinnati Bengals? I think we're still trying to figure it all out. One thing's for sure, this is a Giants offense that I think for the most part has underperformed at certain points this year. Eli Manning, though, during this winning streak, he's played a lot better. I thought last week against the Eagles, they won really in spite of that late Eli interception and the Giants defense were really the heroes in that game. What Giants team are we going to see tomorrow night? Because you never really know what the Giants are always do for that, that bad Giants loss, and then sometimes they win games and no one thinks they're going to win. You never really know with the Giants. You don't, and you look at the defense, they're going to have their hands full. A.J. Green, you know, is that going to be a guy that beats the Giants secondary up tomorrow night? So A.J. Green, that difference-making type of receiver as far as stretching the field, making big plays, are the Giants going to be able to contain him, or is he going to provide some issues for them? And part of the Giants' issue this year is they can't run the football at all. I well, know they haven't run it since week one. They just they can't do it. They've had injuries at, at that position, but statistically, the Giants are last in the NFL in rushing, and they ask a lot out of Eli Manning. And you look at Eli Manning, he's capable of doing it. We've seen him you know, be a two-time Super Bowl MVP. But this team is very one-dimensional. They run into some teams that are good against the pass, like the Bengals are. They're fourth in the, fourth in the league against the pass. Then you know what? This is uh, this could be a, a tricky matchup for the Giants, but I think at the end of the day, you're at home, you're playing in prime time. You got to expect the Giants to go out there and play well in front of their fans. Well, I think it, with it being a Monday night game and with how well Dallas has played, and obviously the fans know and the Giants know, because I'm sure the Giants' mindset here as a team is they still want to win the division. You know, we're halfway, we're a little over halfway through the season. Nothing theoretically, they still could. Oh, absolutely, and you never know. Again, we we've spoken about how well Dallas has played, but remember, their two anchors on offense are two rookies. You're talking about a fourth round draft pick, and then obviously a first round draft pick in Ezekiel Elliott, but still. Uh, two 
two rookies at two prime uh, key offensive positions. So you never know in the final couple weeks if they spiral downward and they have issues, if that will be an issue. But again, right now they're playing so well. So I think the mindset for the Giants is they got to win every game they can. They know they got to keep pace with Dallas. And if they want to indeed win this division, you know, a game like this on a Monday night at home against, uh, a, you know, a lot of people would say sort of maybe an inferior Bengals team, they should have it. Let's go to our phone lines. They're open once again. Let's go to Jeff in New Jersey. Want to talk about the G-Men. Jeff, what's going on? Hey, guys. 25 minutes talking about the Jets. They don't deserve that much time. I don't think it was 25 minutes. Well, again, you know, <laughs> they lost 9-6, to six and it's a big story because of the quarterback position, but... You know, I expect that. The, the, I, football, I game itself, the football game itself well, the football, was bad. But. Well, yeah, the football well, game itself, it was a 9-6 final. Let's talk about Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins is the secret weapon that's going to change the Giants' season around. He's going to get some touches tomorrow night. He's going to take over that running back position, and he's going to, he's going to, in, he's going to inject some life in that offense um, with Eli's passing. And the Giants are going to go on a nice run. They already beat Dallas head-to-head once. And they're going to keep pace. Well, they have a, they have a good schedule coming up. They can get through Cincinnati tomorrow. Then they play the Bears, who are terrible. Then they play Cleveland. Cleveland's not very good. They may not win a game this year. So theoretically, if the Giants win tomorrow, they could be looking at a winning streak that goes at least six games if they just take care of business against Chicago and Cleveland. I think the thing with the Giants is they're always a team that when you expect them to win, and I get Jeff, thanks for calling in. It, when you look at this Giants team. They're a team that when they're expected to win, a lot of times they don't. That's just how it's always been. That made have been that that was always something that would happen with Eli, would happen with Coughlin. So far with Ben McAdoo, I don't think we really know who he is as a coach yet. What impressed me about McAdoo was the fact that the Giants won a game off a of bye week. I always think a good sign of a coach is how the team plays coming off the bye week, and that was a nice win against the Eagles last week. But now this is the Giants team at home, nation washing against the Cincinnati Bengals. Play well tomorrow night, and people will start to really take the Giants as a team that could maybe be a dark horse team in the NFC. Absolutely, and you talk about that they beat Dallas, and they could keep pace with Dallas, and they're good enough to beat Dallas. Yeah, uh, they are. I think they could beat Dallas. They they did it in Week 1, but again, that was also Week 1, and since then, the Cowboys have rattled off eight straight wins. So it's easy to say that the Giants can keep up with the Cowboys because they beat them already, but again, that was nine weeks ago, and the, the Cowboys haven't lost since. So I think the Cowboys do deserve some credit in that right. They've been a really good team this year. They've been the best team in the NFC, and we talked about after five weeks how good the Minnesota Vikings were, and look where they are five weeks later. The Vikings are this year's Atlanta Falcons. Absolutely. 5-0 I mean, and, and then unravel. The Vikings, not only were they 5-0, and and the difference, you talk about the Falcons when they were 5-0, and that was a little less dominance, though. You look how good they played through their first five games this year being the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, their defense was as good as any defense I've seen over a five-week period in the last ten years. That's how good their defense played, and you know, again, you get questionable play at the quarterback position. They lost Teddy Bridgewater. It worked out the first couple of weeks. You got good play from Sam Bradford. But again, Sam Bradford has never been a winning quarterback in the National Football League. And I think it's telling they've lost now, what, five in a row? Uh, Minnesota's lost four in a row. Four in a row, excuse me. But four they were five row. and oh, and this is a team that That's everyone. Still- for a 5-0 and team to lose four straight games, that's pretty telling. No, that never happens. I mean, you look at a team as good as the Vikings were at the beginning of the year, I think people were kind of waiting to see if they could sustain this. But I don't think anyone thought that they would not be able to you know, win a football game in their last four times. I mean, they looked so good early on how well the defense played. But getting to Minnesota, then they had Norb Turner that quit. They have a lot of issues going on there that I don't think people realize how 
how uh, the severity of what has been going on with their organization. But the thing that helps the Vikings is the fact that you know that division, the NFC North, with the Packers struggling the way they are. And today, the Green Bay Packers. It was I was watching this game today. Hard to believe that they're getting just smoked by the Tennessee Titans. At one point, they trailed twenty-one nothing in the just the first quarter. They lost today, forty-seven to twenty-five. So the Packers at four and five, you would think they have no chance in the division. But you know what? When the Vikings started five and zero, you thought, "Wow, Minnesota's going to run away with it." But the way Minnesota's played, and even despite the fact that the Packers at four and five, they're still mathematically right there for the NFC North in that division. And you know, with the Cowboys going forward, obviously Romo's going to be activated. He's going to be the backup next week. Where does Tony Romo go? You know, just going back to the Cowboys and, and their questions. They're 8-0 they're eight no in their last eight games. What happens to Tony Romo come the end of the season? So the Cowboys have a lot of question marks uh, filling out the rest of this season. And, and who knows about the consistency of Dak Prescott? Again, he is still a rookie. He was a fourth-round pick. I'm not, you know, he deserves all the credit in the world. He's played great. But would you be completely shocked if the latter part of the season, back five games, four games, he doesn't play well and they lose the division? I can't say I'd be surprised. It really depends. But the thing with Dallas is they're just so deep. They're so so Absolutely. good. I mean, they're built with their offensive line. I mean, did you see the hole that Ezekiel Elliott had on that game-winning 32-yard rushing score with nine seconds ago earlier? I mean, that was just uh, that's remarkable stuff, how good the Cowboys' offensive line is. And, and Dak's been great. He takes care of the football, doesn't throw interceptions. Today, he threw two touchdowns, didn't throw a pick. I mean, this guy has just got it he's all figured unbe- out. He's been unbelievable. It's really hard to fathom that this guy was a fourth-round pick. And we'll talk about the Cowboys a lot more when we go around the NFL with Connor Weingarten at the top of the hour. But the Giants have a tough task, man. That, that win against Dallas in Week 1, that looks a lot better now because I don't think anyone could have seen Dallas running the table now since that point. They've won now eight in a row. They're 8-1. and one. And I think when you look at the teams in the NFC, I think it's really the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks as far as the two teams in the NFC, I think, are the best, too. And I think also goes to show you, you really build your football team through the offensive line. No matter how good your skill position players are, you have to have a good offensive line. You're right. And I think when you look at the Dallas Cowboys and what they've been able to do, they have, what, four first-round picks on that offensive line? They're able to just dominate up front. They run the football. And we said this, I think, on a previous show. Are they not the the perfect team to play with a rookie quarterback? Great rushing attack. Great offensive line for pass protection. And the Cowboys' defense, to their credit, They've done a pretty good job this year overall. I think they've gotten better as the season's gone on in their defense. You know, I know everyone wants to talk about Dak and wants to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, but the defense has done a nice job as well. And you hit my point right on the head, the overall point I was trying to make, and the point that I think our caller was trying to make. Yeah, the Cowboys lost to the Giants, but the Cowboys are a much better team now than they were in Week 1. They've won eight straight games. They had a very impressive win today over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I think... I think one thing is for sure, when the Giants do play the Cowboys, it will be a heck of a matchup. And Elliott, guess how many yards he has already? He's over 1,000. 1,005 rushing yards. He's the third player in NFL history to rush for at least 1,000 yards in their first nine career games. Joining Pro Football Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson and Adrian Peterson had 1,081 in his first nine games back in his rookie year in 2007. It's impressive. He's been absolutely the most impressive offensive rookie this season. Thanks for listening to the Asman and Budic Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budic Show.